0: good morning world welcome to another episode of zendependently minded if you are a new or returning listener i truly hope you enjoy this episode before we get into the episode here's a brief disclaimer enjoy the views and opinions expressed by past present and future guests of zendependently minded have not been expressed by me and they may not be shared by me the views and opinions that i express on zendependently minded are of course satirical come on guys If this is a hard concept for you to grasp and you're listening to this episode and you're confused, stop, take a deep breath, and do this thought experiment. If you like what I said, maybe you can assume and you can tell yourself that it's my real opinion. If you don't like what I said, just convince yourself that this is satire. Because this podcast is satire. And this is, of course, a character. Nobody would have these real opinions, would they? Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. How's it going, theys and thems? It's your boy, accused Russian apologist and Russian agent, uh, John Cena, back at it with another episode of Is Independently Minded. So, quite a few uh, fun, interesting things, mostly to do with uh, McDonald's. Just kidding. Mostly to do with Ukraine, with Eastern Europe. Uh, Ukraine and Russia has happened since. We last spoke, since I last rambled and yelled into the void, and you guys listened for some reason. So we're going to talk about a lot of them. Uh, let's, Let's see, just scrolling through my notes here. Yeah, I mean, it's all positive stuff, don't worry. Starting off, first thing. So, Putin critic and opposition, Alexei Navalny. Uh, has died in an arctic prison this is something i believe this happened about a week and a half to 2 weeks ago uh, his death was obviously mysterious as with you know the fog of war uh when it comes to people that are political prisoners or prisoners of war or oppositional prisoners whatever you say uh in countries like in countries like ukraine and russia corrupt countries uh like these places there's always going to be you know There's always going to be mysterious things going on, things that we're never really probably going to get the answers to, things that people most likely have the answers to. For example, the death of United States and Chilean citizen Gonzalo Lira, who is a journalist who was imprisoned by the SBU in Ukraine for criticizing Zelensky and the SBU and for reporting and doing real journalism. And he died in prison. For some reason, Secretary of State Antony Blinken hasn't come out and denounced this this death, as far as I've seen, uh, as as something horrible, uh, calling for you know humans to be humans into uh, f- calling for uh, for peace and all this garbage, like he did with the journalist that was killed by a confirmed Russian missile, quote unquote. These things, these things will be kept from from the public. The things that they want to be out let out in the public. Um, they will be out. They will come out. They will be available. And if they're not, they will either be kept secret or someone will release them, leak them, and they will either be killed or they'll be suicided or they will be forced to stay confined in an Ecuadorian embassy for years and years and years while a couple countries are attempting to extradite them and um, put them in prison and probably Epstein them as well. So, Obviously, the death is mysterious, like I said. Navalny's death is has been mysterious. His entire life has been mysterious, to be completely honest. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I will say this and I will believe this because I'm a normal human being whose conscience and ethics and moral foundation have not been rotted away by the media, by social media, by pressure from society and, you know, social groups and friends and college. Luckily, my parents instilled in me as I was growing up solid foundations, and they taught me what is right and what is wrong. And they didn't just teach me what is right and what is wrong. They taught me, they helped teach me the ability to think for myself critically and to be able to decipher and decide what is right and wrong using the blueprint that they gave me through Uh, christian upbringing something that people love to deny love to make fun of love to mock but it's undeniable um i'm not going to get into that philosophical discussion today but a lot of people either didn't have that moral foundation built under them either willingly or they chose to not listen to their parents or their parents were just bad parents or like is the case with a lot of people that I knew, know, sadly, people that listen to this podcast that accuse me of being a Russian agent for some reason, for saying things like war is not always black and white, and maybe we should uh, pursue peace before trying to point the finger and, and saying, who done it, Who did, whose fault is it? Maybe we should stop the uh, babies from being blown up first, then when it's peaceful. Then when there's peace, then when when, uh, trade agreements can resume, then we can look back and think, okay, you know, how did this happen? What led up to this? How can we prevent this in the future? But instead, we just, while while babies are being blown up, while kids are getting murdered, while women and children and elderly are getting slaughtered, while young men are getting drafted, uh, on both sides, on all sides, you can apply this to... What's going on in the Middle East, and you can apply this uh, to what's going on in Eastern Europe. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, this whole this dude's entire life was mysterious. He was an outspoken critic. Nah, critic is a really like nice way. It's a PC way of saying it. Alexei Navalny hated gay people, and he didn't like the Jews. He was a a big a big Nazi in his early days, much like. Lots of people in uh, in the uh, in in Eastern Europe, uh, well, more focused in the Ukraine area. A lot of people in the military are uh, are Nazis, and it's weird because they get sent to Disneyland by John Stewart, and they get medals, and they get clapped, they get clapped for, they get rounds of applause, standing ovations in Congress uh, in Canada, which is strange. But Alexei Navalny, uh, from from what I understand, uh, his biggest service that he did which was a real service not just to the russians but to you know much of eastern europe and much of the world he flew drones he got he got secret pictures of the properties of russian oligarchs because while people are suffering in russia he wanted to show them he wanted to highlight hey this is what this is this is what the powerful rich and powerful the people that can do something about it are doing this is what they're spending their money on Obviously, there's a lot of outrage. The oligarchs are are Putin's friends. Um, I mean, that that really goes... That honestly is the case in every country. Uh, people in the United States can act like, you know, Donald Trump didn't have a lot of political power before he got into politics. He did. People like Elon Musk, has a, he has a lot of political power, even though he's not in politics, because he's rich. People like Bill Gates, clearly. I mean, Bill Gates has funded... He either maintains, if not also created and maintains, voting machines in quite a few counties across the United States. This is a fact you can look up. That being said, you know, many people think that maybe Navalny was on America's payroll. Because Navalny, you know, like I said... He has two opinions that are very, very, very against the majority opinion, the correct opinion, in the United States, which was he doesn't like gay people and he doesn't like Jews. America doesn't like that. America doesn't roll that way. America is willing to sanction countries in Africa because they are passing bills that make gay marriage a felony, a a prisonable offense. If America looks at something that another country is doing across the world and doesn't agree with it, they will punish them because America thinks that the entire world should be and wants to be, wants is the key word, to be a democracy. This has been proven time and time again. There there have been, uh, just look at the Arab Spring. That did not just pop up out of nowhere. You should look into that if you don't know about it already. But all of a sudden, when America, America's government, CIA, whoever, the the powers that be, when they get in touch with Navalny, all of a sudden Navalny is not a homophobe and he's not anti-Semitic, which is funny. But apparently, there's been some extreme backlash by not just American citizens and the government, clearly, obviously, but there's been backlash by people all around the world, especially Western. Europe and apparently American politicians are planning to impose serious sanctions quote unquote on Russia uh, because those worked before right we'll just continue to do them and uh hope and pray that that there are enough Russians sorry I mean enough Ukrainians to be killed and used as bantha fodder while the United States and the rest of Western Europe uses young men young Ukrainian citizens, Um, people talk about genocide, like they love to throw the word genocide out there, and I'm getting sick and tired of hearing it, because there could be like two people of a certain uh, religious background or ethnicity that gets killed, and all of a sudden it's genocide, sick and tired of hearing it. The real genocide is going on in Ukraine. Ukrainians are being killed at an astronomical rate in such a short period of time, because the United States and NATO want to continue to provide weapons and false hope to the people of Ukraine. It's, uh, it's really sad and it's heartbreaking and it's something that I've talked about many times. But just because you're an opponent of someone or you claim to be an opponent of someone that the United States or the, 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 the media has deemed as evil does not mean you're good. Look at Joseph Stalin. Is Joseph Stalin a good person? for opposing Hitler? I don't think so. I wouldn't say so. Obviously people can come in and say the lesser of two evils, obviously. Obviously. But is it that easy of a choice to make? Joseph Stalin and Hitler? I'm not saying I'm not saying you should have to pick between these two, but I'm just saying just because this guy was a was a Putin critic does not make him a good person. Uh but he has done brave work. Yeah, a lot of a lot of bad people have done good work. I mean, honestly, it's, I, 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 going to be completely honest. I don't think that the, the Russian government actively like murdered Navalny. I'm sure the conditions in this prison were not great. And that uh, contributed to his death. Obviously these Arctic prisons are horrible. Uh, there are stories that come out of, I mean, look at, look at, I want to say Fyodor Dostoevsky wrote, Notes from the underground in an Arctic prison, or at least he got a lot of the the notes that he took while there was what he turned into that what eventually became a collection of notes, uh, one of his most beloved works. You know, if you are able to survive that, you know, you're going to come out a better person. You're going to come out a tougher person. You're going to be changed, but it's not a fun place. <laughs> you should look up the prison that he was that Navalny was put in. It's it's sad. It's sad that someone died obviously it's shitty i've seen so many people the people that i've talked about that i've uh, that i that i mentioned earlier the people that have no moral backbones no moral consistency that are like he was a nazi he deserved to die i'm like wait a second <laughs> can we stop with this this is this is a moot point that putin even tried to pull uh against tucker carlson when he said hey you know the reason that we're invading is u- invading ukraine is to get rid of is to denazify it denazify the region that's close to uh, our border i would have more respect for him if he just came out and said these lands are historically russian the people there are ethnically russian they speak russian and uh we feel threatened because the united states is uh t- you know or different countries or blah 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 whatever he- whatever he actually did end up saying later, or might have said earlier, it makes more sense. I have more respect for them. I'd have more respect for them for him if he didn't say that, oh, it's, we're going to denazify the region. It's just, it's it's just a moot point. It's just not true. I really, I, I really don't believe that that's true. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that cheer on the debts of anybody that opposes, you know, people just love to be, especially with politics, they love to be, what do you call it? I'm forgetting the term. They love to be contrarian, even if it involves cheering someone's death, even if it involves cheering on a human life's destruction. So, you know, it's sad that he had to die, but I'm not saying he was an angel. And I I, I truly don't think that Putin had anything to gain to kill Navalny, because I don't think he was a threat. I mean, Navalny was a critic, and he exposed some things you know, that the Russian government was doing that he felt the public needed to know. And they did. But join the party. Everybody else is doing that. Putin doesn't need, he doesn't need any assistance to look like, you know, not the best leader and not the most uh, pure leader of of a country right now. So I don't think, Navalny was not going to run for president and beat Putin. I, I just don't think that He was actively killed, but he was definitely, you know, not treated well. That's just, that's, that's how the prisons are in Russia, especially the Arctic prisons. Moving on to the next thing I wanted to talk about. David Cameron of the UK says, quote, pass Ukraine funding for the sake of global security. End quote. Uh, No, I don't think you know what these words you're using actually mean. Funneling taxpayer dollars to a goalless proxy war that has resulted in hundreds of thousands of deaths Ukrainian debts and Russian deaths, and with next to no progress, like that visible progress, that does not count as global security. That does not count as global security. Global security is not continuing to fan the flames of nuclear war. Global security is not doing things like uh, Macron did earlier this week, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. I'm so sick and tired of hearing these buzzwords, and so are the rest of the world. Most of the rest of the world is tired of hearing these buzzwords used by these politicians that worked before. This might have worked in the 60s, the 70s. It worked in the 2000s, when the United States invaded two countries in the Middle East for differing reasons, supposedly. But this rhetoric is disgusting. David Cameron if he has kids, would not send his kids to war. He is willing to say stupid things like this because he doesn't view Ukrainians as normal people. He doesn't care that Ukrainian lives are being spilled. He doesn't care that there have been two or three drafts in Ukraine and young men are getting brutalized over this proxy war. He doesn't look at Russians Who are getting forced to fight this proxy war and defend their country or whatever the reason is that they're going to war. Maybe it's because they don't have a choice. A lot of people like to say, Well, I just wouldn't go to war. Shut up. Yes, you would. You sold out your neighbors for a cheeseburger for not being vaccinated. You snitched on your neighbors for not for having uh one too many people during the holidays, during COVID. You absolutely would go to war for you wouldn't even ten thousand dollars probably for less than that people love to grandstand and act like I oh, would just simply tell them no, okay, yeah, and then when you have a gun to your family's head, when you have a gun pointed at your pregnant wife's belly then then are you gonna say oh i'm gonna I'm not gonna go to war I'll just simply say no because i'm I'm cool i'm morally I'm morally grandstanding I'm better than you someone actually told me that um when I try to explain to them that not every person in the German military in World War II is a Nazi. And I tried to explain, it's not like every single, it's not like the, the Spongebob SquarePants movie, where every single citizen in Bikini Bottom had the bucket hat from that plankton used to control them. It was a political party, a political party that gained power through votes. Doesn't mean that 100% of Germans... And 100% of the people in the military voted for the Nazi party. What if you are a classic, you know, center-right, you know, fiscally conservative, I don't want to say Republican, but you get what I'm saying. Someone who's center-right, fiscally conservative during World War II. You and your uh, wife, like, you know, you voted for the past six elections and, uh, you, as the man of the house, is in the military. All of a sudden, the Nazis get into party. Do you all of a sudden renounce your citizenship because an, an, an opposite, an opposite, an opposing political party won the election? I know a lot of people in America pretend that they're going to do that, but that's what happened. A lot of people happen to be in the military. Not everybody in the United States military likes Biden or liked Trump. They didn't just leave because Trump or Biden was elected. And when you get orders, you have to take them. And in Nazi Germany, you don't just get to say no. You don't just get to desert. You don't di- just get to get dishonorably discharged. Your family is killed. You are killed or forced into a labor camp. It's not that simple. That Anyway, back to the to the original point. David Cameron is a war pig scumbag. Blood is on his hands. And uh, he would not ever, in a he would, without hesitation, send other people's kids to war, but he would not send his own. So maybe that that should be the litmus test for these spineless, corrupt, soulless politicians. Something that you would like to do, if it involves handling human life, think first, not what would Jesus do. What would I do with my own kids? Would I send them off? Do I do I believe this so much? That I would send my kids off to die in Ukraine? Probably not. No, not probably not. Definitely not. The next thing I wanted to talk about... Oh, man. So Liz Liz Cheney, daughter of War Pig Dick Cheney. Basically, the second coming of Dick Cheney just... You know, just doesn't know how to keep her mouth shut. Dick Cheney knew how to work behind the shadows. I'll give him that. Liz Cheney compares... Donald Trump to Putin and says he's opening a Putin wing in the Republican Party. Um, you know, it's funny that she said that because I thought about it and then I realized, you know what? George W. Bush was actually more like Putin. Putin liked Bush more. He respected him more. He would, if you asked him today, he already said he prefers a Biden, to, he prefers Biden as opposed to Trump as president. If people that are our perceived enemies or definitely not our allies are preferring one president over the other. It's not because they like them and they help their economy more. It's it is because they like them and they help their economy more, but not for the good reasons. Because they see them as weak. The rest of the world sees the United States as weak. On one hand, you have leaders in other countries that can speak in uh, in a complex, not even complex, simple sentences, and not look like a complete demented sad elderly person someone who's m- mentally destroyed and then you have Biden you have the leader of the supposed most powerful nation in the entire world Trump is less of a dictator than Bush if you want to talk if you want to compare Putin who is supposed to be like the the godfather not the godfather the the, the greatest and most terrible terrifying dictator in the world that exists now, look at bills that were passed when George W. Bush was president, like the Patriot Act. Because of the Patriot Act, and then the continuation and the growth of the Patriot Act by the Obama administration, the United States has become more like Russia. There have been countless numbers of journalists that we know of. That's up that we know of. United States journalists that have been imprisoned without being charged with a crime that was made legal by the Obama, the Obama-esque, the Obama era continuation of the Patriot Act. And people are constantly talking about, look at poor Navalny, poor Navalny, Rudin is such an evil piece of garbage. You put, place someone in prison and they died in prison. Yeah, we've done the same thing. We're trying to do it right now with a couple people that I don't need to name The name, one name starts with an S, the other starts with an A-S-S. And we have, uh, yeah, there, there, I'm sure if you look into it, I'm sure there are, um, the United States, there are journalists that were imprisoned without being charged with the crime and were killed or died under mysterious circumstances. So Liz Cheney is an idiot. She's not an idiot. I hate when people... When people come and they just want to, when they, when there's a politician that they don't like, they say, this person is an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. Liz Cheney knows what she's talking about. She's a smart woman. Dick Cheney was a smart guy. You don't, you don't do, you're not, (laughs) you don't become the architect of destabilization in the Middle East without being smart. No one's ever accused Dick Cheney of being stupid. They accused George W. Bush of being stupid. George W. Bush also was not a stupid person. It was an act that he played. Liz Cheney knows what she's saying. She knows what she's doing. Obviously, she prefers Trump not being reelected because he is a threat to everything that she believes in, everything, the foundation that she has built her life and her career on. Donald Trump is the antithesis of that in that wing of the party. So, no, Trump is not opening the Putin wing of the Republican Party. Liz Cheney tried, and she failed, and that's why she's no longer in government, or she's going to be out of government very soon. The next thing I wanted to talk about, the second last, second to last thing I wanted to talk about, we're going to stay on topic with Russia and Ukraine. So I went to bed the other day, I want to say it was Monday or Tuesday night, and I couldn't sleep. I fell asleep for a couple hours, I woke up, and all of a sudden I found out that Macron nearly started World War Three. So... Emmanuel Macron, the goofball, truly evil, like honestly, truly evil, someone that I've really criticized and rarely praised on this podcast, Prime Minister of France. He nearly started World War III when he said Western troops uh, in Ukraine may be a possibility. And I wondered you know, same question that I asked, uh, I want to ask David, David Cameron of the UK. Would Macron's kids join the hundreds of thousands of dead Ukrainians and Russians fighting this war? When he talks about Western troops, is he talking about his kids? He doesn't have kids of his own. Uh, his wife is the one who has kids from another marriage, but you get the point. The rest of NATO basically shunned him for his comments, which like, like immediately Spain, Germany uh, uh, the UK is not part of, uh, the UK is part of NATO. My bad. I misspoke. Uh, basically every country in NATO came out and said, we will not, we will not put troops on the ground in Ukraine. We will not put Western troops on the ground in Ukraine. We will not. No, 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 no. They came out and they immediately, immediately shunned him and they immediately spoke against and said the exact opposite, which is rich because up until recently things were completely flipped. Up until just recently, they were all on board with putting troops, possibly putting troops in Ukraine. Or maybe not putting troops in Ukraine. That's different. They're like, oh, God forbid. No, we would never put troops down in Ukraine. But we'll continue to send money and weapons to them so they can die and fight the war for us. Because we're a bunch of spineless cowards. That's what the rest of NATO has felt like. Being led by the United States. And the UK as well. It just goes to show... You know, how quickly these things change, because in the beginning of the war, Macron was shunned, and he was even threatened with an investigation and probably was actually investigated for being like the only NATO country that was willing to and actually was having talks with Putin about calling, uh, you know, attempting to pursue peace early on. And they threatened him. And, uh, you know, oh, how the turntables... (laughs) It's it's really, it's it's quite apparent that there's a script going on here, there's a plan. Everybody had to act all, you know, upset and like, how could you even say this type of thing? Because Macron just probably said it a little too early. Macron's a scumbag though, I've said it before, he was a scumbag during the pandemic, especially with the COVID stuff. I did praise him for being, you know, at least out, at least on the surface, being the only NATO leader that was willing to pursue peace early on. In this part of the Russia-Ukraine war, <clears throat> so it's interesting. I wonder how quickly the WEF, the World Economic Forum, will dispatch someone to get rid of this guy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not advocating for that, of course, but you know, he's a he's a World Economic Forum, Forum goon, and he misspoke. He probably went on to Act 3 when they're just in the middle of Act 2 of the Russia-Ukraine screenplay. And, uh, you know, these things don't go well. When you mess up, when when you upset or you embarrass powerful entities like the World Economic Forum, things don't go well for you. But if you do things right, they have like an undefeated track record. If you look at leaders that have spoken and been endorsed by the World Economic Forum. The last thing I wanted to talk about we're gonna pivot over to the Israel-Palestine, Israel-Hamas, Israel-Gaza conflict, whatever you want to call it. I call it Israel versus the rest of the Arab countries that are not nice. So here, here are the uh, if I was if I was a I don't know if I was some representative for for Israel in the United States. You know, I forget what you call them, like. Like uh, Janet Yellen, but for Israel. <laughs> I don't. I probably should know their names, but I. I actually don't give a shit. I don't care. If I was one of these representatives, here are the terms that I would give. I'd go. Hello, leader of Hamas. If if they're not even if they're not blown to pieces and turned into um you know chum for sharks in the ocean, chum for sharks in the Red Sea, I would go. Listen, Gaza. Here's what's gonna happen. Israel. You can have all of Gaza and Gazan citizens you can go to Europe. All the European countries that claim to not be Islamophobic that are willing to let unchecked immigrants keep flowing through their country stabbing children, raping women, they can provide the aid and the rescue that uh, that they claim to want and support. So, what I'm saying is Israel can take all of Gaza. They give them, I don't know, 30 days. 30 days. They're not giving the Gazans 30 days. They're giving the rest of Europe 30 days. Western Europe. So France, Germany, Sweden, Denmark. You guys that claim claim to not be... that you, You're so worried about being called Islamophobic that you will take unchecked, unregulated, and unmonitored immigrants. You see a wave in crime because there are a lot of horrible... There are more good, peaceful Muslims that are coming into these countries but there are quite a few and they're growing in number extremists that do not respect the customs and the rules and the laws of these countries that they're coming into they actually hate and it's their entire life's goal to get rid of whatever religion is the dominating religion in these countries christianity being the main one do you guys remember when there was a member of isis i believe it was in paris that beheaded a Catholic priest in public and nobody stopped them. This is what I'm talking about. These are the consequences of your action. I'm not happy that that thing, that that happened. Of course, I'm horrified. It was scary because I had just been there or either I was, I had just been there or I was going to France. I wasn't going to Paris, but it was scary to think about. It was even, what was even scarier was the reaction from the youth of France and from the government of France to that. They're they're so scared of being called Islamophobic, they're willing to let their own citizens, nationals of their countries, get mistreated and turn a blind eye. Look at the trafficking and abuse ring that ran rampant in, I want to say it was in London for years, that the London law enforcement was aware of, but they they didn't want to be called or looked at or labeled as Islamophobic. So they allowed kids to be abused and trafficked. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is not something you see on Infowars. This is real. This is not something that was cooked up by 4chan. This is a real story. So what I'm saying is let Gazans flood France and the UK and Germany and the rest of the Western countries that, well, you know, they won't be going to Poland. I can tell you that. Let them flood these countries since the rest of the Middle East doesn't want them even the the middle eastern countries the neighboring arab countries do not want them why i don't know i don't know enough there's got to be a reason maybe it's because they don't want destabilization maybe it's because they've seen what's happened in in the rest of europe and they don't want they don't want that smoke look at the wall that egypt has with gaza it does a great ask them it does a great job filtering and making sure that people that they don't want into the country are not coming into the country one of the things that about this this conflict, and about the continuous atrocities that are being committed against the country of Israel. Yes, I'm going to come out and say it. Call me a Zionist. What is Zionism? What is Zionism? What is the actual definition of Zionism? Believing that Israel deserves its own state. Period. Any other definition is bullshit. It's like when people say, oh, black people can't be racist because the definition of racism, they come up with that weird definition where people can only be racist if they're in power and blacks have never been in power in the United States. Therefore they cannot be racist. That's not the definition of racism. That's made up. That's a made up term. That's a made up ideology. I'm pretty sure that is the, I I forget the buzzword now because it's like fallen out of the, out of the mainstream media for the time being. Uh, Critical race theory. Pretty sure when you apply critical race theory to everything in the world, Black people can do no wrong or minorities can do no wrong. It's the same thing here. People will create their own definition of Zionism so then they can dismantle it and they can oppose it vehemently. If I'm a Zionist or whatever you think is a Zionist, because I believe there should, uh, that Israel should not be attacked and that, uh, Arab countries should support Israel as one of their own, as one of their own allies, as some of them do actually if i'm a zionist for believing that the rest of the arab world should grow some balls and either hold their neighbors their their allies accountable if they commit atrocities whether it's israel whether it's lebanon then i guess i'm a zionist if i'm a zionist for hoping for an actual two state solution that israel has agreed on from the beginning that most of the arab world if not all of the arab world in the beginning opposed, including Palestine, and now they talk about a two-state solution as if they haven't uh, completely gone against that with their actions multiple times since 1949, then I guess I'm a Zionist. If I'm a bad person for agreeing with the United Nations' proposed plan to give Israel a state and make Jerusalem an international city, then I guess I'm a bad person. If I'm a bad person or if I'm an evil Zionist for agreeing with Israel having a right to defend itself and land that it's historically been in first, if we're if we're going to take that route, Arabs also have historically been in Israel since the beginning as well. But the difference is here that Israel is not trying to kick Arabs out of Israel. The Jews are not trying to kick them out of Israel. They don't Discriminate against them. They don't mistreat them. There are Arabs in Israel that are not Jewish, obviously. And they have the same amount of rights. And they are equal to Jewish Israeli citizens. Could you say the same for Jews in Palestine? Or in some other Arab countries? The same Arab countries that have been attacking Israel since 1948-1949? That's all I'm saying. At the end of the day, this is something... It breaks my heart to see. It breaks my heart. I said it on the last episode, and I've said it a million times. It breaks my heart seeing Palestinian lives being destroyed. Lots of people say, I understand. I totally, totally see where people are coming from when they say, Okay, yes, Israel has a right to to respond. But once again, people like to do this thing where they say Let's point the blame. Let's point the blame. Why did this happen? While there are people shooting at each other. While there are people getting blown up. The main focus should be pursuing peace talks, which I read this morning that uh, we could be a couple weeks away from ending this conflict, at least for now. Don't be fooled if you think that it's going to end permanently. Not at least while Biden is the President of the United States. What needs to happen is Trump needs to try to revisit the Abraham Accords and normalize relations between the other Arab countries. Because there are there are a few Arab countries that are that consider themselves and actually are allies with Israel. And if the rest of the Arab world can accept Israel and find a way to to trade with them, you know, I know this these are not these are not unique things I'm coming up with. I don't know enough to actually be able to sit here and be like, this is the solution. At the end of the day, whatever solution stops the bloodshed. Or at least prevents it and gives people enough time to come up with a long-term, hopefully one day, one day, maybe it's wishful thinking, permanent solution, then I'm all for that. At the end of the day, all this stuff that I'm spouting about, you know, my political stance on this, blah blah blah, that doesn't matter. It's not real. Everybody who's doing the same thing that isn't from Israel and Palestine or the Arab world or that actually is trying to actively, that is actively involved in coming up with solutions, it's pointless. It's just people letting you know, I'm holier than thou. By coming out and saying, I'm not a Zionist if I do this, or you're a Zionist if you do that like I just did earlier, that's exactly how the rest of the world is talking. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your stance is. At the end of the day, what I want most is people to die less. And these are some some ideas that I've heard floated that could possibly lead to less death. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And it's one of those things that, you know, I hope that this can end. Do I think it can end without the United States help? I'm not sure. But I also think that there are issues that the United States needs to deal with. We don't need to be funding any more wars, that's for sure. And that's ultimately that ultimately should be the goal at the end of the day. It should be the goal. Less bloodshed, less death, as close to peace as possible. Let's fix our problems at home. How hard is that to understand? How hard is that to reach? Is the real question. Fuck this conflict, and rest in peace to all those who have died. Including that soldier. The United States soldier. That American that burned himself. Alive. Political polarization has gotten so bad... And it's rotted people's brains. I talked about the foundations think of think of the 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 soul that you're given and that's powered through your moral foundation that you are in that you're hopefully instilled upon through your through your parents as you grow up think of that as a you know the wooden floorboards of your house okay political polarization via college brainwashing social media brainwash legacy media brain rot. That is like termites tearing up the floorboards of your house, of your foundation. It's left it completely weak and it's collapsing upon itself right now. Political polarization has gotten so bad that people have forgotten or just don't seem to care that a young man it doesn't matter matter that they're American. It doesn't matter that he was a soldier doesn't matter this and that a young human life this young man killed himself. he's no longer living. I don't know how any how how else to say it, and people immediately immediately rather than mourning this this the death of this young man want to come out and they say, "Oh, he did it for the Palestinians. see America's such pieces of garbage Israel's this." Blah, blah, blah. It's because A or B, hot button topic. It doesn't matter. A mother and father, a grandma and a grandpa, a sister and a brother, a wife and kids have lost a loved one. It doesn't matter why he did it. What matters is that he did it. And it's heartbreaking. And my thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends and everyone who's been affected. The military is no joke. It's not an easy life. And it doesn't matter if he did it for Palestine. It doesn't matter if he, if he hates Trump or he hates Biden or he loves this or he loves that. He felt that there was no other way. And that breaks my heart and it's an all too common occurrence. Not just in the military but in the world right now. So here's to the end of One or both or all of these conflicts and um, everlasting peace in the human race. If you can dream it, you can whatever. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Zendependently Minded. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I feel a little bleak now that I'm ending the episode. But there's hope. All that being said, All that being said, in in, in all honesty, I have more hope for the future than doom and gloom. I'm I'm being completely honest, I have more hope for the future. I truly do. Buy some merch if you want. Support the Child Mind Institute. 100% of the proceeds from the merch shop get donated to the Child Mind Institute. I pocket $0.00 and 0 cents. Support the support the nonprofit through supporting the podcast, or just go ahead and support the nonprofit and uh, send me a tweet or a DM letting me know, and uh, maybe I'll mention it on the podcast. I hope you guys got something out of this episode, as I did. Got some things off my chest, gave my thoughts, and you know, I'm learning. That's the, the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from this podcast, something that I tell everybody because I've, a lot of people have approached me and asked me if they should start a podcast or said, I've thought about it. And I always tell them, do it, do it, do it, do it. It's, you can start a podcast for free. All you need is a smartphone. If you want to get a little more fancy, you can start it for less than $50. You want to get a little fancier, you can do a $100 setup. It doesn't matter. All that matters is you do it for, is you, you have a reason to do it and the reason is pure. Don't get into it for the money. It's cliche, but don't get into it for the money. Do it because you need to get things off your chest. Do it because you want to talk to the world. Do it because you want to learn. Do it because you want to share your opinions. Any of those reasons are valid. And if it wasn't for this podcast, you know, I'd probably have a lot more anxiety and a lot more yearning to learn about what's going on in the world. That's all this is at the end of the day. It's a learning tool for me and hopefully a learning tool for anybody who listens or some that listen. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Catch you on the next one. As always, stay safe. Stay away from those crazies out there. Thank you.